Hello and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. Look right there. Mr. Hall of Fame himself, Bobby Labonte, <laughs> joins me on today's episode of Waltrip Unfiltered. Thank you, everyone that tunes in and listens or watches. I uh, get so many great comments about the guests I have. I'm really honored to have such a great lineup of guests. And Bobby, I appreciate you joining me today. Congratulations on your latest honor, you Hall of Famer, you, and uh, your great career. Appreciate you being on. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for that intro. And I'm sure, like we talked about before, I'm, I'm up at the top of the list as far as your your uh, soiree of guests, right? I hope I am. You certainly are. <laughs> all you have to do is, if you study um, NASCAR at all, and you think of the things that you've accomplished, <laughs> you, deserve, you deserve top billing. So let's have a fun <laughs> show. What do you say? Tell everybody at home, we're going to have a good time. We are going to have a good time. Uh, Michael and I were able to do some shows together on Fox, on Race Hub, just last week. And uh, so exciting to do that and uh, excited to be on your show. Stay tuned. Well, Bobby, like I said, the, the Hall of Fame is certainly the first thing that, that comes uh, to my mind that I want to talk to you about. I've you know, known you my whole adult life, it seems like. And all you've done since you came to NASCAR is win. You've won everywhere. And all those wins and, and the person that you are, how you conducted yourself over the years, it certainly was no doubt in my mind that you were a Hall of Famer and it's official. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Michael. And, uh, you know, I mean, reflecting back on it, it was so fun to reflect back on your whole career, your life. And I, I think the things that come to my mind are just the way that our parents raised us. Um, you know, if you could if you could think back, I mean, we were destined to be uh, who we are through our upbringing and our work ethic. And, you know, I, I just love that my dad and my mom were there. And uh, the fact that, you know, they, they taught us to work hard, race hard, you know, and, and, and be the best you can be, win, win, win if you can. And uh, I think of Terry and I both being in it and uh, truly something special, but, you know, obviously the groundwork was laid by our parents. So it was, uh, I just think about that being that that being the most special part about it. You know, I think of your mom as the sweetest lady in the world, and I think your dad is just a tough guy. And <laughs> that combination uh, certainly, you 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 guys knew you had to put the work in to to get the the results and have the opportunities that you got. What what was it like as a little boy before you were racing with with mom and dad around the house and Big Brother Terry? Exactly what you said. Uh, you know, mom, she was kind of, she could control things, but my dad, he'd fly off the handle at this and that. And I mean, so, but my dad's got the biggest heart, but, and yet my mom can be as strict as possible too. I mean, when I knew my name was Robert Allen, when she called Robert Allen, I knew I was in trouble. So I think between the both of them, they just helped us, uh, molded us in, into who we are and, and what, you know, I, I just think about my dad's work ethic and he worked at the Naval Air Station in Texas and, uh, you know, I remember him being pretty hard on Terry, a lot harder on Terry than he was on me. And, uh, but you know, whenever it came time to go racing, neither one of them ever said, let's go do something else. You know I mean? Like it, it was easy. It would have been easy to say, hey, let's go to the lake and just go skiing or let's go to the lake or let's go to the beach and just hang out or, or let's do something different. Um, uh, but my dad like, being a gearhead, um, and, and, you know, it was just for us, it was just natural because we just were able to go into racing at a young age and the support that we had from our parents was, uh, you know, second to none. And again, I, I said this at the hall of fame that my dad, he never wavered on like, Hey, let's go do something else. This is a too expensive, B too hard. You know, he's working day and night, you know, uh, two shifts a day, going to bed at night, sleeping and doing it for years. Uh, he never, he never wavered off that. So that just kept us focused on what we were doing. And I think it helped us obviously just made us stronger. And, you know, when we kept graduating up to different classes or, or different levels, you know, I think that just, you know, you just, we just were trained to do that. So we just worked hard at it and we were trying to be as successful as possible. And it worked out. Well, um, Terry, is he eight years older than you? They're about seven. Yeah, yeah, seven, seven, eight, six, seven. Yeah. I, I'm curious because when I came along, uh, Daryl was 16 years older than me. And when I got ready to go racing and I told mom and dad, I wanted to be a racer, just like Daryl, they said, we ain't going through that again. That was hard. 
<laughs> we, we spent all the money we had and we, yeah. we didn't didn't take you little kids on any vacations we were always racing and we're not doing it again how you were good the whole time though even though it was eight years between or yeah. whatever that your dad was still into you racing as well yeah, absolutely now the, the only thing that probably fluctuated michael as you uh is 16 years is a bigger gap for you and daryl but uh for us is that terry's 16 racing stock cars and i'm racing quarter midgets and you can't be both places at the same time so it wasn't like um you know we were close enough so there was a gap there enough of a gap that i had to kind of do some different things so i remember going go-kart racing at day not daytona but go-kart racing in uh savannah or charlotte or talladega um in a different uh with with uh, a group of buddies so my dad couldn't go because he was old, he was doing something else you know so but but i mean it really it never changed it's just that on the weekends i'd go go-kart racing with some buddies and he'd go to the nascar race with terry so uh but all in all there was never a time that it seemed like hey you know you're you're squashed down we're going to focus on terry it's it was all we were all in it together whether we were going to watch him race racing with me or racing with him so uh i never felt any disconnect from my parents um take me back to the 70s when when terry from texas texas terry is that why they call him that because you are from texas yeah i think that's right. yep, yep. I'm just, I'm just getting right down to the facts here, Bobby. You just, you, you're going to learn a lot during this show. But what I wanted to ask is he got the opportunity to go cup racing. What was he, was he just a great short track racer in Texas? Was there some reason why you saw that, that he was got this great opportunity? So, you know, seemingly from out, sort of like Daryl from Kentucky, you know, winds up in NASCAR. Here comes Texas Terry. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he was. I mean, and that's that goes back to my my dad and a bunch of guys building a '57 Chevy or a '73 Camaro or or whatever it would have been. I mean, he, whatever he raced, he won. I loved it. The fact that you know, for me as a kid, when I wasn't racing, I could go watch him race. You know, so I was always busy watching him race, watching him race, watching him race. So I probably sat through a bunch of his races. And, you know, whenever the announcer would be like, hey, there's a bounty on Terry Labonte tonight for $50 who can beat him because he keeps winning all the time. And I remember going to the, to the uh, payout window and my dad, they'd hand my dad an envelope with $99 in it. And $99 was he won the feature, yeah, he won the heat race, the Australian pursuit, he won all three, he made 99 bucks. And we, were, we won. So, and through that whole graduation, I mean, he would just continue to win throughout the, all the series or all the tracks in the uh, next class and the next class. And, uh, so that's, that's why he got the opportunity with Billy Hagan, you know, roundabout way to go race. Yeah. And that a key to me learning how to race as a kid was I, I watched everything my brother did. And I'm sure you, I know you've given Terry so much credit for, for what you've accomplished uh, the great, career that you had but it, it 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 was really cool seeing a template i mean all we had to do is basically follow directions and and we you know we could get this this opportunity and and i'm just i'm really uh to hear how appreciative you all and your brother and everything that that has has made you the hall of famer you are that says a lot for the person you are yeah i mean it, it it was a great template for me to have. I mean, I watched all, all Terry's, the stuff, good stuff he did, maybe a few mistakes he might have made along the way. Uh, as a kid growing up, I knew I wasn't going to get my butt spanked like he did. And uh, so it was fun to watch. And we never really raced against each other, Michael, until Charlotte in like 1991. So for us, never racing against each other was probably the best thing because we never had a rivalry. There was never a like, hey, I'm this, I'm that. So for us growing up, it was just uh, – uh, you know, again, a family affair and for us to go racing. He, he always helped me out throughout my career, uh, you know, once we got started in North Carolina. So that was, that, that was fun to see, and it's always good to reflect back on that. I like, I like a story talking about coming to North Carolina and getting started. I like a story that Kenny Schrader told. He said you and Terry and Kenny went to, uh, went to Hickory Motor Speedway to test. And, you know, they shook down the car, and you got in the car. And uh, when, the, when the test was all over, uh, Terry and, and, and Kenny said, you know, a couple things we've learned here. He, he, he's, he's pretty fast learner and 
it, it looks like it appears he might be better than both of us because you just <laughs> you really adapted to it in a hurry. Do, do you recall that test and that story? I do recall that test. I, I remember I remember all that. I can't, I think it was one of Terry's cars, uh, the MW Windows car maybe or something like that. And uh, so I was still in the Bush Grand National Series full time. And uh, I, but I do remember that uh, doing that. And it was funny that, in, and I'll tell you a different uh, phase of that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was cool because I mean, I probably just didn't know any better. You know how Hickory is. I mean, you you've raced there many times and you just didn't know any better. And I just like went around it. And uh, but it was kind of fun that I was in my element at the time. And you know, they're kind of dabbling in it uh, per se, like going to Hickory for a fun day or whatever. Where to me, I'm serious, and you know, this is your life, right? But I've also been to Caraway Speedway later in life, where my nephew was practicing, and I said, "Here, I'll drive it." So I was like three tenths slower than him every time I went out. I went, "Well, I guess I forgot how to drive today." <laughs> so, so it worked the other way as to me as well, like it did for them. Well, when you when you came to North Carolina and, and got your chance in the in the Bush Series, you you certainly took advantage of it. Tell me, tell me about. The, the championship season, uh, driving, driving for your family. Uh, how, how surprised were you? Were you surprised? I guess is a question that you adapted to it so well and and understood what it took. And I mean, it, it, it to me it was really impressive. I I have an interesting seat on the bus. You know, I showed up in NASCAR, and then all these these other kids started getting these chances and, and winning and winning championships and races. And I was, I was a little bit jealous, but I was also um, observant, watched how you, how you handled yourself. What, what was it like when you showed up and what'd you expect? Well, you know, the, the year that we won the championship in 91, we were actually, you know, I was a short track racer in North Carolina, late models, uh, all American challenge series, never drove a big track. Right. So I go to Charlotte, we go to Rockingham, and, uh, you know, in 88, 89, running a few races a year, crashed, run pretty good, crashed, run pretty good, run pretty good, got better, right? So in the years, so when I finally got the money to run the full season in 90, 1990, uh, you know, we were able to go and match it like all, you know, a lot of tracks that we went to. And so for a short track guy, but I love going to Charlotte. I, go, I love going to Rockingham, love going to Darlington, love going to Dover. And then in 91, you know, I mean, we had a season under our belts and everything was working in the right direction. It was just a matter of consistency. And that's what um, we were able to do. But, you know, it was really cool. In, in 1990, I had four employees. And I think in 1991, we get, went up to like six employees. And your dad was one, right? Yep, my dad was one. Yep, one of the employees, yeah. Crew chief. Well, my mom, she was the bookkeeper, so we had to have family affair in there, right? And um, so, yeah, we just kept, uh, um, you know, we, we thought that in 1990, we just learned from mistakes. I mean, like you would always, you hope you always do. And in the 91, we were just able to, you know, be consistent, consistent. And, but what was cool to me was racing against yourself, Earnhardt, Harry Gant, Ron Bouchard, uh, Terry at times, uh, gosh, Larry Pearson. I mean, and then the regular guys as well. At, at different times, you know, and I mean, you know, you think about, you know, Earnhardt coming to race with you at Daytona, and, and I saw a video the other day, I know, I think it was 1990, I led some of the race, and somebody texted me, they were watching on TV, and there's like, how did, what, what, how come you finished seventh? I said, man, I was probably so excited, I peed my pants, I don't know, you know, because I was leaving, it's like the first time ever there, so, uh, but in, 99, in 1991, being a family organization, family team, you know, you raced against Steve Grissom, Jeff Burton, uh, Jimmy Hensley, Chuck Bound, Tommy Houston, and, and Tommy Ellis, and so many. Tommy Houston, oh my God! And I mean, just we just were consistent, you know. And I, I love the big tracks. I, I mean, I was better at big tracks and short tracks, it seemed like. And you know, we just had everything together from '90 building on it to '91 making it happen. But I don't know if you're going to ask, but 90, 1992, we lost by three points. If that was your next question, that hurt more than anything in the world. So when G Nemechek beat us at Hickory that time and Spencer's out there wrecking and causing all these cautions, I was like, <laughs> come on, man. And so we lost by three points or we could have been a multiple champion, but it was all good. I mean, it was good to see those guys win, but we were, we won the race and we were fast. It was, man, that was some fun times. That was definitely some, some good times. 
Yeah, I got a question from Reddit, and it's funny you mentioned it. Like, what's the most disappointing memory from your career? <laughs> you had so many great memories, uh, and I, I almost, I almost bet it was that that loss in the '92 championship. It, it was. That was probably hard because we were we weren't that good. We were okay, but we were we gained a lot of uh, points the last few races. Won Martinsville, uh, and, and was gaining on it, gaining on it, and. Um, Anyway, it was, uh, you know, we just got to Hickory and we had to win, which we did. And Nemechek had to finish sixth and he finished fifth. So it was like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Can and you that believe was, that? that was hard. Can you look back over that 1992 season and say, you got to be kidding me. Right. Three well, I points. mean, that's lose by three points. And I know they can do it nowadays because of the uh, playoffs. But back then, that was a close season finish, you know. Uh and I, I remember back, a funny story is at Daytona in February of 1992, we all, Todd Bodine, myself, and Nemechek, we crash. We get Nemechek out of the car because he's on fire. We put him on the, on the door top, and he burned his butt. We threw him on the ground because everything's smoking and all that stuff. I remember going, ah, he's all right. <laughs> and so when the season's over with, and I would never do this, but it's like, dang it, what if we just left him in there for like one more second? <laughs> so we, we've joked about it, but it's like, oh, man. But it was, uh, it was cool that like Todd, myself, Burton, and all those guys that did that back then. I mean, you know, we all connect somehow still in a lot of different ways today. But that was uh, always a gr lot of great racing back then. Well, and you think about what that led to in 90 what, – what was – tell me about when Bill Davis or, or, or whomever – started talking to you about the cup series in 93 when when did that first become uh something that you're like man they want me to drive in a cup series what what did yeah. that feel like and what are your what are your recollections of that well you know it was funny because my agent was my brother so terry helped direct me in the right ways and i remember even back in it was uh when terry drove the sunoco car i went to charlotte and tested that car because he couldn't do it and I'm testing a cup car at Charlotte. We, you know, go down in a ramp truck and the whole thing. I mean, it was kind of a little weird, but uh, but there was a time that um, I think it was in '91. Well, let me back up. Billy Stavola, I love Billy Stavola. Uh, and so I went to. I tried to get a job with them because I got fired before I started racing, and they wouldn't hire me because I was Terry's brother. So then. Fast forward to 91, I think it was. What, I think I. What kind of job did you want? I was just a fabricator. You wanted, I just to, wanted, to, fabricate. Cars. wanted to work on cars, yeah. So in 91, I think I drove, I think I drove for Stavola and Rick Wilson was sick at Bristol. So I drove the cup car at Bristol. And because he got out of the car, I got in it and I was running in the top 10, had a flat tire with 100 to go. Uh, it was on asphalt. Everybody had flat tires. But I, was, I made enough of an impression they tried to hire me to drive their cup car. But Terry said, nah, you don't need to do that. That was too soon. So I, that was probably a good move because, if you know, if you jump up too fast and something happens, you're probably not going to get back up there, right? So whenever the deal with Jeff Gordon and Bill Davis fizzled away, uh, Bill and I became friends. And so it just kind of worked out with Jeff's departure that we, you know, merged together as far as our friendship. And we lived 10 miles away from each other that uh, I would drive his car in 1993, uh, which was sponsored by Maxwell House. And, you know, kind of that story goes on for the uh, racing for Rookie of the Year. But um, so Bill and I got together after Jeff left and, uh, you know, we lived close together. And it seemed like that was the right opportunity for me. Uh, at the time, as far as a rookie team, rookie driver, new sponsor, and just try to put it all together with him and Tim Brewer and Gail and, you know, everybody else working there. You know, it, you probably I, – I know you love your brother and you, you give him so much credit, but when you see him and you think about him telling you that we didn't need to get in this cup car, you, want, you probably ought to hug him every time because <laughs> if you look at what all you've accomplished, that, that – that was certainly an opportunity that I know a young kid, you're like, yeah, that's us, brother, right? And brother's like, no, nah, I don't think so. That's, that was sound advice, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, and he's, uh, he's probably saved me more times than I could, you know, on my 
both hands and feet I can tell you about. So uh, it was always good to have a trustworthy, sound advice person. Yes, sir. Um, the the rookie of the year, 93, Jeff Gordon uh, took that. Um, and I have a question. We have this hashtag. It's Ask Mikey, and you can hashtag us on Reddit or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you like. And if you hashtag Ask Mikey, we'll ask a question. And one of the questions from uh, Twitter is when, what, at what, uh, let me paraphrase, it's kind of long. At what moment did you feel like you belonged in the Cup Series? What what was the like? Did you pass Dale Earnhardt, or did, you know, did you did you outrun your brother? What what happened that made you realize, man, I can do this? Uh, you know, I think driving for Bill was a great experience and helped. I hope we helped each other out get to the next level. But I'd say when I in '95 when I drove for Coach when I when I stepped in the 18 car. Um, well, I, I don't know. There's a couple things, but like we went to test at Texas World Speedway in '94, and college, I remember that College Station, Texas. Yep, and I remember hauling it off into turn one at 201, 201 miles an hour, and I never sat in this car before in my life. You know, never worked with these guys before in my life, and I drove off in the corner, and you about hold it wide open for about three laps here, Aww. and I'm like this is good. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. So it, it helped me prepare me for the, you know, I mean, for, for the future, because I thought for sure that gave me another level of confidence. You know, you, you, you can tell yourself you have it. Okay. I can do this. I can do this. But then when you get into something like that and you're surrounded by people that just put you to the next level, I mean, that just, you know, made it that much better. But, um, you know, I think that was one of the times. And then obviously when we started off in 95 and we were just, like fast out of the gate it's like okay you know when people are watching you you're like we made it this is the cup series this is not late models at caraway this is not a limited sportsman car this is not anything like that this is the cup series the highest of the highs and you're racing against people like yourself and the earn hearts of the world the bill elliott's and da 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 you know it's like that's pretty damn cool you know yeah. what i mean that's feel like you finally you got to a point where that's this is what you've been working for all these years to get to that point yeah, I, my moment was, and and I ran second, I think, in 80, 88 at Pocono, but it was a, a fuel mileage thing. And I'd, I'd out, you know, I'd won bush races, but but I'd never really, I'd survived and I was fast, but I couldn't get it all to work out. And then my moment came in the Coke 600 in 1990. I ran, I think I finished third or fourth, but like, Rusty Wallace, I think, won, and Bill Elliott was right there. And we took – we come off turn four for the checker flag, and, like, they were they were right there. I didn't mm -hmm. beat them, but I was right on their tails, and I just said, you know, I can – and that – Bobby, that is – that was four, four or five years into me being there. It, yeah, it, right. How hard it was just to scratch and survive and finally have that moment where you're like, I can do this. That was special. Uh, you have some special memories in the Coke 600 as well, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, the, the, I always look at it and you're probably the, you probably helped me, uh, figure out that that is a true story, the way it works, because for me that I've seen a lot of people, the Coke 600 being as long as race, sometimes it's a, it's a turning point in their confidence career that you knew that you could do this. For me, the, the Coke 600, my first year in 93, we go down there for the Winston, I call it the hooligan race, whatever it was called back then. Well, you can bet and I was there. Was, there was 40 cars <laughs> that were in the hooligan race, right? And I qualified like 36th. And I thought, well, okay, if we come back next week for the Coke 600, I'm not going to make the race because there's that many cars trying to make the race and I'm not going to make it. You know what I mean? Because that's when you had to qualify. There yeah. wasn't no give me. So wasn't no, here's your ribbon, go home. It's like, so, so we were so bad that all-star race or whatever they called it we went home took the same car home <clears throat> i went over to my brother's race shop driving for billy hagan i took a straight edge tape measure me and pete wright we measured up to 
A-frame points, lower ball joint points, lower uh, pivot points. We went back to the Bill Davis shop, welded up the holes, redrilled new holes, got some Laughlin spindles, and went back to Charlotte. I qualified sixth or seventh and finished like sixth. And like in the Coke 600, at 500 miles, it was Dale Jarrett first and I was second. And I'm like, how'd this happen? Last week, I didn't think I was going to make the race. <laughs> so that was like the coolest moment because it's like we made something out of, I mean, my career was like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it to where it's like, okay, now we see something. Now you're there with them. You're, you're where, there with Earnhardt and all those guys. The only thing that got me that day was I was wore out because yeah. I've never done that before. But, uh, but then we go back two years later and, and to win my first race, which is, again, you win your first race being the Coke 600 is like, okay, can you really script this any better? I mean, right. it's not Rockingham. It's not Wilkesboro. You know, it's not Richmond. It's the Coke 600. And uh, so, and I was following Schrader there, and I thought, am I going to be able to pass him? And he blows up, and I'm like, all right, now what do I do? So I run like 20 laps in the lead. I'm like, I've never been here before. But, but as it all, you know, came down at the end of it, uh, it was so cool to be able to win your first race at, at a track like Charlotte and the Coke 600. So, I mean, it's like, man, that's, that's awesome. I mean, how does it get any better than that? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny, something funny you're talking about measuring the spindles and getting, getting, getting your car um, fixed up like your big brothers and, and the difference it made when, when I, I, I struggled, um, you know, in the eighties a bit in the nineties, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but Rusty Wallace, I had a couple friends on his team and he had a Pontiac. And his sponsor was Miller Genuine Draft. And on the back of his car, behind the back wheel, the word draft was written. D-R-A-U-G-A. I don't know how you spell it. How you spell it? D-R-A-U-G. A lot of letters. Yeah, D-R-A-U-G-H-U-A. Yeah, okay. So, so I said to one of my friends, I said, please get me that decal. I got a, I got a point I'm going to make. I said, give me that decal. And so he, he got me a decal and I put it on a piece of sheet metal uh, and I cut it out to that size, the, the size that it was draft. And I called my car owner at the time into the shop after hours and a couple of crew guys that I've become buddies with. And our car that we we're going to take to the next race was sitting there ready to be loaded on the truck. And I said, I know I might not be the best driver ever, but I don't have a, I don't leave the shop with a chance in hell of winning because we, our cars are ridiculously off, way off. And he's like, well, well, sir, we, you know, we have a great sponsor and we have great crews. We, we, we have, we have great cars. I said, okay, let me just show you something here about this car. And I took the piece of word that said draft and I tried to put it behind the back wheel and the FT was hanging off the bumper. <laughs> Do you know what I'm, you know, you know, uh, everybody, know. <laughs> everybody, everybody stretches their cars and they, they, they're doing all this stuff and I'm driving a stock Pontiac Grand Prix. And yeah. I, I had a draft word on there. And, and the car owner, he didn't, he didn't really know how important that was, but we were, be, we were able to uh, make some changes and make the cars yeah. better. But, but that story you told of that, that's how you did it back then. You know, you, you, you couldn't sit around, like you couldn't right. wait till the next week. You had to go fix your car. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what we had to do. Same way with the moving pivot points around and buying a set of spindles other than those spindles and, moving your, you know, you couldn't move a body forward four inches or back four inches in a, in a weekend, but you could do it over time. And, you know, where his body was that way and your body was that way, wasn't good at that time. But, um, but yeah, that's how you had to do it back then. And that's where, I mean, you would have, um, you know, you'd look at somebody or watch them or, you know, I mean, you'd, yeah, I, I know they do it today, but I mean, that's how you had to do it back then. You just kind of had to be more, not creative, but you had to be creative yourself and, show them that over some engineer saying that. Um, so you won the all, or excuse me, you won the, the 600, but the, the, the question from Ask Mikey is, what's your favorite 
NASCAR memory. And with, with what all you've accomplished, people ask me that sometimes, and I, I, I don't, I, I haven't did, did near what you did, but I, I have trouble picking one. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the championship is huge, but with you and your brother in victory lane in 96 at Atlanta, you've talked about how much he means to you and the family. How, how, how cool was that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you're right. It's hard to pick just one, uh, but that was the coolest thing because um, as we led up into that race, I mean, we, again, our whole lives are, you know, basically together weekend. Um, we're talking during the week and, you know, we don't talk racing. We just have, we're just brothers. We have fun or whatever it might be. And we'll get to the racetrack and we'll park next to each other and we'll have a beer and we'll talk and we'll, you know, see each other the next day and we'll practice and race and we'll say, Hey, how's your car? How's your car? You know, is it tight? Is it loose? Is it this? Is it that? You know, blah, blah, blah. So we're going throughout the whole year and we get to the, get to 96 and he's obviously at the end of that, at the end of 96 and he's obviously has a chance to win the championship. So my parents are obviously, you know, going to Atlanta, they're at the racetrack. So, but Saturday night, Saturday night, my brother and I were talking. He was like, man, he said, you know, you start first and I'm third. He said, I, if, if I could lead a lap, that'd be awesome because I, I need five extra points. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, of course. And um, I mean, if he told me to wreck on the first lap, I would have done it. You know what I mean? Just, I said, yeah, sure. So he goes, I think we both said at the kind of same time, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if you won the race and you won the championship, you know, and I won the championship, you know, I won the race, you won the championship. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, didn't think nothing of it. So then the next day, the PR guy for Kellogg's and Terry, he wanted to put a hat in my car for victory lane for Terry. And I was like, no, that's, you know, that's the worst. Don't do that. That is jinxy right there. So don't jinx this thing. So anyway, so fast forward to the race. Gordon had a little issue. Terry took the lead. I, I took it back. He got us five extra points. We ended up winning the race. He wins the championship. And it's like that it was so again, kind of a scripted thing that was not scripted or not rehearsed, but pulling up beside him was like, I just went like, Hey, good job. And he was like, Yay. And it, it's all of a sudden that moment was like, Oh my gosh, that was crazy. So I pulled off, got to victory lane, and he comes to victory lane. And I think the best thing about it is you got a picture of Terry and myself and our parents. And it's like, okay, what, how, put all this together. How devoted, how quarter midget racing, how all this stuff pays off to where you're both, your kids are in victory lane the same day. You got Coach Gibbs, you got Rick Hendrick, and it's just like, I mean, you look back on it now and you're like, how could that have ever been, I mean, how could that have happened that way? So that had to be the most special moment just because as a family, what we've done all of our lives and what we continue to do is, you know, we all are fans of racing or in racing or have raced and whatever it might be. Uh, and my parents, I just saw my dad at the race shop a while ago and just, you know, side story, but anyway, so he's over there doing something. And um, yeah, so it's like, that's the best thing. I mean, our parents being there in victory lane with both of us winning at the same time, but the same day on the same track, somehow, some way, you know, all that just yeah. like, I, that's just ironic. You had to sit there and scratch your head and go, is this for real? I mean, is this for real? So that was probably the most special day of, of, of our family ever. That is incredible. 1998 Daytona 500 wasn't bad either. You and by, you and Terry on the pole and then you finished second to, to Dale when he, when he won the 500. Do you have, any uh jim from arkansas wants to know do you have a a dale story uh well there's a few of those yeah there's a few of those I, now, I he, he rattled one. your brother's cage did he ever get into your cage well that's that's where all that no and what happened was is a rookie in 93 um I was at Loud, New Hampshire, and he was awful there. I don't, th I don't think he's that good there. Anyway, so I, was, I come off turn two, and I go to pass him, and he runs me all the way down the grass on the back straightaway, which, you know, that's pretty, pretty wide. So he knew I was there. It's not like he was going to pit, you know, dude. So he run me down the grass. <laughs> so we went and turned three. I hit him, and he went up the racetrack. I kept going. And it's like, that, that's like, that was it. You know, that was, he didn't come back to get me or nothing like that, but, uh I mean, there is more than one story, but another story was at Charlotte. 
I think it was might have been the it wasn't the Coke 600 that I won. It was a different race, but I was so fast, and he was leading the race. And you know how he would drive? He would go so fast for ten laps, he'd pull you, and then he'd give up the right front tire, and he'd start fading, and you can catch him, and you'd pass him, you know. And so I was catching him, and I went down the front straightaway, and I hit him because I was like going 10 mile an hour faster and I didn't gauge it right. And I hit him and got him all squirrely and I passed him. I went down to turn three and I was like, dang, he's going to be pissed. So I went up the racetrack. I let him go. And then I went, dang, that probably pissed him off even worse. <laughs> so then I passed him back and I was like, well, heck, I don't know what to do now. I've already made him mad. Yeah. So Childress is on the radio crying the blues because I was, I hit him and he said I couldn't see over the steering wheel and all that stuff. So, but it was funny because um, he never – I don't think we've ever had any – there was never anything that was like, hey, this, this, this. I will say this one time, at, at Watkins Glen, I qualified first because it rained out. I would have never qualified first for a road course ever. Rained out, he's second. And he never would have qualified but maybe one time on a road course that good. So we take off on the green flag. I run three laps. And he's, he's right on – you know, he's right behind me. We go through the inner loop. We come out of the inner loop, and he's crashed. He crashed off the inner loop. So the next week, we're at Daytona doing a test. He walked up to me and grabbed me by the, you know, grabbed you like that, picked me up off the ground. He said, why would you wreck me last weekend? And my eyes went like, because uh, for a moment, you, he convinced you that you wrecked me. And I went, he said, I said, how did I wreck you? He said, I was trying to follow you through the, through the inner loop, so you, but you were going faster than I could go. And then he just <laughs> grinned and let me go. So, I mean, those are, the, those are just some fun stories with Earnhardt. But that's, that's a couple of them there. But, I mean, that's, that's maybe a different episode for, you know, for a lot of people but, and yourself. But uh, it was always funny that Dale was, Dale was a guy to me that would help me more than rattle my cage. He and Terry were probably too close in age. Where for me, it was like, you know, he, he seemed to help me. He helped me get the ride at Gibbs. You know, he helped me throughout, you know, a, a lot, you know, throughout my career. So that was kind of some fun stories. But uh, he was, a, he was, a, uh, that was, that was probably two of the, two of the fun ones right there. Yeah, he helped me. Um, he, he got me the ride with the Wood Brothers. So a lot of people don't know all yeah. the things that, that he had influence over and things that he, he did. And, um, you know, certainly, certainly those, those stories, I like hearing the fun stories, the cool <laughs> stories, the things that he did. Uh, uh, talk about 2000, uh, you know, we were, we're to that point, I've been going a little bit chronologically, uh, we're, we're 2000 now, and, and that season, how many, how many weeks did you lead the points? Uh, it had to be almost every week. I mean, it was all but a few, I guess. I don't know. Um, probably all but two or three, maybe. Wow. Did 99, did the, when this 99 season ended, did, did you say we are in a good spot? Oh yeah. I knew when you're at the banquet in New York city and you're sitting there and Dale Jarrett's up there on stage drinking champagne and you're drinking water, you're like, this pissed me off. So it, it right then and there, I was like, we, we've got to, you know, I mean, it was, you don't, you don't say it and do it. You just have to do it. And, you know, it's just like we – you get that close and you make one mistake and it costs you the championship. And, again, you learn from your mistakes and you want to be better. And that's what 99 did for us is it made us better for 2000. And we – you know, we were just so – I'm not going to say dominant. We were just so good on two, in 2000. It was just going to be hard for anybody to get us. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned earlier about your big track prowess, a kid from Texas that raced on little tracks, but you seemed to like the big tracks better. But but you went to Victory Lane in Martinsville. That, that short track victory has to be – that's got to be a special – another special moment in your career, getting that victory. Yeah, it was. And, it, I, I mean, it's a, it's a deal where it's, it's so weird and you grow up on short tracks and you think that's the that's – the, you know, that's where you should be the best at. But so many guys don't do that. I mean, a lot of guys that did grow up on short tracks aren't necessarily short track guys. Um, but, yeah, winning Martinsville was was uh, was cool. I mean, uh, I've won there in a Bush, Bush for a national car in a truck and got a cup win there and, you know, had some good runs and second, third, fourth, you know, I mean, just had some 
good success. And, uh, you know, I mean, so it was, uh, it was fun. And Martinsville is one of those places that's, you know, it's just, it's hard by your, if you were to race 500 laps there by yourself, it's hard not to just crash, hit the wall or break something on your own without racing somebody. So, um, so anyway, that was, that was a cool victory in its own. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, when you think back on it, in fact, right there is a clock. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I, I think that's the clock right there. So anyway, so that's uh, obviously when you win the race like that, when you win Martinsville and you're up in victory lane and they're like, here's your clock. And it's like, all right, let me go get my truck. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you put the put in the back of your truck, you drive home and you put it up that night. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was over at Daryl's house a couple of years ago and it sounded like an aviary there, a bird house, <laughs> like, Every five minutes, he's got one of them grandfather clocks uh, chiming. But uh, winning that race, winning uh, the championship, taking uh, Joe Gibbs, the coach, to uh, to New York as the champion, that that that's that's pretty good, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, with um, you know, taking his doing uh winning the championship for for JGR, uh, obviously Coy and Dave and. Uh, JD, uh, all of us, you know, I, I mean, it was, uh, when I went to drive for coach Gibbs, I think I was employee number 18 and, um, went to the first Christmas party and there weren't but about 30 people there. Right. And I was actually invited to their Christmas party like three years ago. And there's a 900 people there. It seemed like, so, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a huge, obviously a huge deal. Uh, I don't think we were quite ready for that. Nobody was because that was our first time for all of us, right? But I'll, here's another Earnhardt story: was I, he let me lease his airplane from him to take the crew, take my family and friends up there. We just beat him for the championship, but yet he still let me use the airplane. So yeah. that's another Earnhardt good story. But um, so yeah, I mean, and for us, you know, to go up there and and you know, we were poised to, you know, throughout 2000, we were just always, I mean, so you know, either. First, second, third, fourth, or fifth. It seemed like we were just in the top five, top five, top five, week in and week out. And, you know, that's what we had to do. And uh, we won four or five races and able to go to, uh, to New York and celebrate. I mean, again, it was Coach's first time as a, as a cup champion. He's obviously been back several times since. And for me and Jimmy and, and everybody else, I mean, you know, it was just like, I mean, you know, best thing you could do in racing, right? And you, we, did it, we did it one time. Well, certainly – quite the run from showing up in in um in the early 90s and racing bush cars and then the, the championship in 2000 let's fast forward to, to to where you are today i know you've been racing you raced some over in europe uh you raced a bunch of sporty car stuff uh, you you enjoy working out you stay very active um what's what's a normal day like for you uh, just just a Monday afternoon or Tuesday. Well, today we're pouring concrete in the backyard. It's a construction day, and so we're doing a little redo say, on the backyard. When you say we are, they are, and you're you're showing them where, or or you are. I'm not pouring the concrete, but I'm making sure I watch it really close. And uh, so I'll uh, I don't mind getting a, a a hammer and a nail and a doing things and project wise. So. Usually on a typical Monday, I have projects going on all around my house, whether it's taking this down and fixing that or back there digging a hole and filling it up or we got 16 acres building the trails or whatever it might be. So that's on a typical Monday. And uh, but uh, so that's I'm busy with that. And obviously uh, racing's a little bit, you know, can't go really much short track racing right now. We don't have a whole lot going on with the. COVID-19 thing, but uh, you know, you know, Bill Riley, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He called me, he texted me a while ago. I'm going to go drive one of his cars here in a few weeks in Virginia. So that will be fun. Nice. And then, uh, yep. And then we actually, speaking of today, we just got back from an IndyCar race this past weekend at Road America. So we do for what my normal lifetime life is today is my wife and I have a marketing company. So we handle all the uh, hospitality activation for one of the IndyCar teams and they finished second this weekend Nice uh, behind uh, uh, Rosenquist so we'll do that and then we'll also go to Indianapolis next week week after next and do a Ferrari race uh, I'm not driving but we 
we manage the whole race series. So we do that. That's what we do. So then if I'm not on the Fox studio tomorrow, you know, blah, 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 conference call here, Zoom call there. Um, my weekend, there, my end of the week, my end of the week will be busy with construction now. <laughs> is there, uh, have you made the call to Tony Stewart about his new series and, and being a part of that next year? Because I texted him and I just sent uh, the emoji going like, yeah. <laughs> pick me, I'll do it. What do, you, what do you think about Tony's new series? Well, is that the one? Let me think. Is that the one with he and George? It's he and George and Ray Evernham. And yep. it sounds like Ray's going to, you know, design some cars and they're all going to be alike and there's going to be crew chiefs and then drivers will show up and drive them. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what the cars will be like because the trucks, you know, they race at Eldora and then yeah. they race on the asphalt. So I, I bet you with Tony's involvement, that that you know there'll be there'll be a place on the schedule for Eldora I would guess but then also yeah. I read in a in some statement about Nashville Fairgrounds but uh, to me that's very intriguing and I don't know what the criteria is for for driving but I'm in if you are <laughs> well I've already sent my emoji <laughs> you did good yeah I, I I have I've actually Ray has told me about this for two years so it's kind of been in the works. And they finally got some uh, traction with it. So, but yeah, I don't know of a car that can get race between to go from Eldor to Nashville to wherever road course or something like that. So it sounds like a very diverse field of tracks. So we'll see how that goes. But but yeah, that's that's going to be exciting. So hopefully, hopefully my emoji worked. You're me too. You're a uh, very active in iRacing. racing. Producer Ford here on my Michael Waltrip. Uh, podcast he he likes to to i race do you now you still race like you said you're going to go race in virginia do you feel like i racing keeps you current keeps your skills honed so that when you get a chance to go race and if it is in tony's series next year you feel like you're <laughs> you're still good i think so I, I i do think so you know last year i ran a modified at bowman gray and what i was that, that like was that was the best experience I think I've had in many, many years. I mean, I, I really want to do stuff like that, but I'm chicken. I, I would be afraid. I was, I'd be afraid I couldn't keep up. We're, the only thing we're missing is Bruce Patron. We need to bring back the Bruce Patron. Oh, man. Right? We're going to do some things. But That's no, I mean, that, that was, uh, I mean, those, I mean, again, you go anywhere, any, to any, anybody's backyard and they're, they're going to haul the mail and you got to learn how to beat them. Right. And so it's hard to do. Uh, but no, that was a cool experience when you have 15,000 fans, I mean, within shouting distance to you all the way around the racetrack, it's just totally amazing. I went up there and I, I, I'll be honest with you, Michael, it, for me, I went up there and I paid $5 to get in. I practiced the guy's car for about 10 laps. I came home, I took a shower and I paid $25 to go back and watch the race. I saw three fights and I said, man, I'm hooked. I got to do this. So the night that I raced, I went up there and practiced. I came home. We watched the truck race on TV, took a little nap, took a shower, went back, ran the race, got done with the race, came home and slept in my own bed. I went, I think that I can do this a lot. So, so those cars are so much fun. And I, I want to hopefully we'll get some, uh, some more of that racing in. But I do think that, um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I raced this year earlier, I raced at Steve Ring which I had never been to Sebring before, but I raced a car at Sebring and uh, I tested a car at Road Atlanta. I got to so, do I mean, that. So, so I'm, I'm actually, I feel like I'm kind of current, you know, with, with driving and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'll, t I'll tell you a, a quick story. It was last year I raced uh, Corvette at, um, at Indianapolis on the road course that they just ran the Xfinity cars at, right? The same course. And I ran with Jeff Brabham, okay? And I went, I am teammates with Jeff Brabham. Holy smokes, Jeff Brabham, that's awesome, you know? So anyway, I got to know him a little bit. And so while I was there, I finished second. And Willie T. Ribs finished first, okay? So, and I've known Willie T. Ribs for a long time. And I got to kind of know him a little bit more. And he is the funniest, coolest guy. So he'll text me every now and then or call me. And he'll, we'll talk and talk for an hour. And so 
And I, we, I, he texted me the other day and said, well, congratulations. I said, why? He says, well, you're going to win this year at Coda when we go to Coda this fall because it's your hometown, but your home state. But he lives there now. So anyway, but so Scott Perchetta is I was driving his car and it's just been the most fun. And I mean, it's, it's cool to go and, uh, and do that. And uh, I mean, it's like, I'll drive anything, Michael. I mean, you know, that's kind of my theme. In fact, the really funny story was I, I was at Road America this weekend. The guy says, hey, do you want to drive our Indy car? And it's now it's an Indy car from like 20 years ago. Yeah. But just make some laps in it. And unfortunately, it broke before I got to drive it. But I'm like, the guy said, do you have a helmet? I said, no, but I'll get one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's just, I mean, it's fun to do stuff like that. And that's not for a race, but we'll race later on this year in some races. But uh, I do feel like between iRacing, your original question, and stuff like that, I mean, I feel like to me, you know, driving is still something I want to do. Yeah. On, I, on a lower level. <laughs> I have a, I have a funny Willie T story. We went to Watkins Glen for the first time and, and he was, you know, he was a rookie like me and uh, he, he put me in his rental car and he said, I'm going to go show you right, the way around the track. And this was before the inner loop at the back straightaway. And we we're like, we're in a, I think we're in a Cadillac or it's big. It's, it's a Lincoln. It's a, it's a big rental car. And Bobby, we, we must have been running 125 miles an hour when we went down into that, into that corner at the end of the back straightaway. And yeah. I know, I know the, the tire was under the rim. Like the rim was dragging the road. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, and I, told, I grabbed him. I said, Willie, I'm not going to be able to learn the track. You're scaring the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> slow down and tell, tell me how to drive it because this is terrifying. But I, I, I want to get you to, when we, when we hang up, I'll get you to give me his number. I want to say hi to him because I, I miss him. I haven't seen him in forever. Yeah, yeah, he is. I've had, the, I've had more fun with him, talking to him on the phone, texting with him, send me a video of his kid uh, doing the competition shooting that he does. I mean, just, he's, it, it's, been, it's been a, you know, it's funny when you know people, but you don't really know them. And then when you get to know them, you're like, man, I wish I'd have known you forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're having fun. But speaking of fun, what what about that darn race yesterday? Cole Custer comes from six and and goes four wide at Kentucky and wins that race. He's first of all, he's such a good kid. I, I love Cole. I've gotten to know him a bit. Been been blessed, you know, when he showed up in the trucks at 16 years old. He won New Hampshire, and I've yep. followed him ever since. And so I uh, feel like I know him probably better than I do. But what a what a great race yesterday. Yeah, it was. And I didn't get to watch it because we were flying back from Road America, but I saw the highlights when I landed and I went, how did that happen? You know, how in the world did that happen? So, and I, you know, the new rules package with the big spoilers and all that stuff. I mean, I think three years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do all that, but he still had himself a great opportunity to, he put himself in a great opportunity. And like he said afterwards, that's the best race car he's had. So, you know, it's one of those things, those guys have figured some stuff out. He's getting better. And I, I had him picked early in the year to be a winner. You know what I mean? As far as a rookie going. And uh, it was – I know that uh, at, uh, Tyler and, and Christopher are really, really good. But Cole, I mean, it's like, dude, he won. He won that race. And that was good to see. And so on your story about you knowing him, so he raced at my quarter midget track in Salisbury for I don't know how long. With He and his dad raced there for a while. And coming from California, um, I was at Irwindale last year. And uh, so the guy that owns Irwindale was telling me that, that Cole would come out there and run every Tuesday or Wednesday night, like 400 laps. His dad would take him out there on a late model. And so I love, uh, I love the fact that he was able to win. He's, he's really – he just – he's a fun-looking guy, just kind of like calm and just wants to, wants to race, you know. And, I mean, there's not much drama with him. He just likes to race. And – um, but you know, so my little story is he got to race at my quarter midget track in Salisbury when he was, you know, 12 and 13 years old, I guess. Yeah. So it's good to see. And now he's going to be in the all-star race. And I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> how about, how about racing 15 laps for a million bucks at Bristol, uh, in the all-star race? Are you like, I know we're TV guys and we get to, we get to get on TV and act like we know what we're talking about and. I'm going to be the biggest race fan Wednesday night. I, I can't wait to watch. Oh, I'm telling you, it's one of those things to me. I think the year 2020 is going to go down as for NASCAR. Um, 
you spent 20 years trying to figure out you're always scared to do something. And I think that this year they just had to do it, you know, cause you're, if you're, if your comfort level is like, ah, we'll do it in a couple of years, we'll do this, that, but this year they got to make the changes. They got to, they got to, uh, uh, acclimate or, or, or maneuver in different ways this year. So when they announced that the all-star race is going to be at Bristol, I'm like, Holy crap, that's going to be amazing. I mean, you know, so, I was talking to a friend of mine that works for the 47 to 37 car. They've had a bad couple of weeks, but they get to rebound a free weekend or free night. But, you know, if they can make it in and with, uh, uh, with, uh, you know, Ricky and those guys, I mean, but the whole thing, the whole atmosphere is going to be amazing. And you're right. I'll be, I can't go to the racetrack, but I'll be the fan sitting up for the, on the couch watching on TV. You put that much money on the line at Bristol. I don't know how fast you can go, but you probably, they'll probably go faster than they've ever been. You know what I mean? Because when you can hold, how can you can hold your breath for how many laps, right? I mean, yeah. so it's going to be a, a, a definitely all star event. Well, the the race we just had at Bristol was incredible with Chase and Joey and Denny. I mean, I mean, it had that was that was my favorite race of the whole year. So now we're going to up the intensity and and see see what comes out the other end. I can't I can't wait to watch and and yeah. Uh, see who's able to prevail. I've got um, a, a quick question. You, you talked a little bit about your marketing agency. How, how has that, how's that grown and, and how do people get in touch with you? How do you get customers? What, what's, what's it like for you in that, in that world? It's, it's like Bobby Labonte has fed up since he quit <laughs> racing full time and not slowed down. Yeah, it really has. I mean, it seemed like we're, the past two years, I think we've done more than I've done previous years before that, travel-wise and Europe and this and that. And so what we what we could do is what we've done is uh, we've done work for NASCAR. We still do work for NASCAR uh, Technical Institute. Uh, we've done some work in NASCAR with Smithfield, uh, General Mills before that. I mean, it's been around for 10 years, and Breaking Limits is the name of it. And so Jeff Dennison kind of came to me after at the Petties and said, like, let's start our own deal. So we did. And uh, so the General Mills account was ours uh, as far as activation and hospitality goes at the track. So when you have a big tent or have a structure and you cater to the sponsors and the people that come to track, that's what we do. And uh, so we found our niche in that series in doing stuff like that. And what we do is we have a, a huge tent at the IndyCar races and it's called Club 5 and we have it's 5,000 square feet. And uh, we basically do all the entertaining. My brother owns the structure and we actually do the entertaining and the china and the champagne and the wine and the food. We have chefs, the whole thing. And so it, when you go in there, it's like everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? We got an elevator, we got uh, everything that goes with it. So for, for SPM uh, McLaren. And so for, uh, for those guys, that's exciting. And then we also do the Ferrari Challenge Series. So we know some, I knew, a kid that a kid when he was little I knew him and he's grown up and he works there and now he we connected on LinkedIn and da 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 and I know his dad so we got the uh, we were able to, to do that this year and that's with Ferrari and that has been amazing because we're able to to put the whole series together as far as all the events together so it's five or six races a year and uh, it's very high end and uh, again my wife my wife is the one that does all that and we have a team of people that you know probably you know, probably got 10 employees doing all this between uh, both series. And, um, you know, we, it's a lot of work for both of us, but we enjoy it. And uh, we're looking to do more of that type of stuff. And, um, you know, NASCAR to me, when I went to the IndyCar race and you go to drag races and you look at how that's done, I mean, NASCAR is a little bit different, but yet I think that, again, they're, you know, the hospitality part about it that you and I both would go do appearances with at, and that's kind of what we do. And so breaking limits has has been more successful the past two years than it was the first eight. So we're just now getting our feet on the ground. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a lot of fun to see, and it's a lot of fun to see it grow. Well, it's it's a lot of fun to see all that you've got going on. You're an inspiration to to me and and many because um, you you certainly haven't let off the gas. And um, it's, it's cool to see you have the success that, that you're having. So I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate you spending some time with me today. Yeah. And if you, if you want to race some dirt race late models, you can buy a Longhorn chassis. Ah, are they built in um, over there where you live?
Trinity, yeah. are you in Trinity? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm in High Point, but that shop that we used to race our bush cars out of, that's where we build the dirt late models. Nice. So, yeah, we've got Tim McCready, Jonathan Davenport. I mean, there's a bunch of cars that we've got. I think we built, I don't know, 250 cars, maybe, something like that. So. Hey, well, that was a lot of fun. Man, if he isn't an inspiration, Bobby Labonte has more going on now than ever. Thank you so much, Bobby, for taking time to join me on Walter Fun Filter. Remember, share us with your friends. Tell everybody about our podcast. You can go to all of Fox Sports social media channels and be able to look at our content, share it with your friends, go to your favorite podcast app, and just let people know we're here. It's a lot of fun talking to all these stars and legends. And I'm really thankful that Fox Sports lets me do this podcast week in and week out. Hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.